Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, the latest on Minnesota's wildfires and the continuing controversy over Line 3, plus some ticketing changes for fans that go for football games. But first, the great Minnesota get-back-together is in full swing after a year off, though the impact of COVID continues to make things challenging for fair officials and fairgoers this year. I spoke with the state fair's Danielle Dullinger about the ways Minnesotans can be safe and enjoy one of the best annual events the state has to offer. Well, after being out of business for two years almost, really, um, we're just excited to be able to open the gates and have people come in and support these vendors who have also been out of business for two years. Um, So we're just excited to open the gates this year, even if it is more of a subdued backdrop than we were hoping for. As far as what some of your main concerns are, um, what are your concerns this year as we have COVID to deal with? Well, I think our biggest concern is that people do the right thing and take care of each other. While we don't have a requirement in place right now, um, we are strongly strongly urging you to wear a mask indoors or in crowded settings outdoors where you cannot social distance. Um, we, we did not feel like we could put in a mandate as we don't have the capacity to enforce. Um, we're already short-staffed. We can't find as many ticket takers or people to work at vendor booths as we would in a normal year. So we are truly, truly asking you, begging you to do the right thing to take care of your fellow Minnesotans and ensure that these vendors and the fair can be around for years to come. My understanding is that uh, some vendors won't be there this year. Um, Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, That's obviously got to be tough. How many folks are are not planning to participate this year because of the COVID situation? Well, I can tell you that there are many reasons that vendors decide not to return from year to year. Every year, we typically lose between 75 and 100 vendors. That could be because it's not in their marketing budget for the year. They um, have supply chain issues. There really are a number of reasons why vendors don't return to the fair from year to year in a typical year. This year, we have lost about 150 vendors, but that actually started in November. So that's over the course of a year. It's not like we just lost those vendors in a couple weeks. Um, So over the course of this year, we have lost 150 vendors. Some of those reasons are obviously due to COVID concerns, but they're also due to short staffing. We've heard of a couple of family emergencies and supply chain issues. So um, while we're, we're bummed that they won't be here, please rest assured that we still have nearly 1,000 vendors here at the fair, and we've added 61 brand new merchandise vendors and new brand new food vendors, nine brand new food vendors. So, um, Yes, it it may seem like there are not many coming, but just know that in a typical year, we do have a similar turnover. And I believe that we had uh, at least one act that I'm aware of for for the grandstand shows that that pulled out uh, because there's not a mask mandate. Any updates on that? Um, Have any other acts pulled out and how much of a concern is that? Nope. At this point, we still have our full grandstand lineup, minus that one opener, decide not to be here. All right. So, obviously, it's a little bit bittersweet this year because folks are concerned about safety precautions. 
Uh, let's get back to some of the more positive aspects here. Um, as far as every year fair favorites, what can folks expect to see this year that they missed out on last year? We will still have our nearly 300 food vendors offering anything from Sweet Martha's Cookies to Prano Pups to deep fried pickles to cheese curds. All of those will still be here. We'll still have Mighty Midway rides. We have actually a brand new ride at Mighty Midway called Riptide Roller Coaster and three new rides at Kidway. We'll still have animals in the barns. Um, a great place to go take in the fair is to take in a show at the Coliseum. We've expanded our draft horse show this year. Um, we'll still have a bunch of competitions and creative activities, so you can see the best quilts, cakes, cookies, all of those made by your fellow Minnesotans, as well as giant vegetables in the egg court building. So there really is something for everyone at the fair this year if you feel comfortable attending in 2021. And I know I, I spoke with Jerry uh, Hammer, the general manager of the State Fair last week, um, and he also talked about the gopher gauge. Tell folks, if they're not familiar with what that is, what that is and how that could be helpful this year. We've implemented a new feature on our website that will be available soon called the gopher gauge. And basically it's taking our gopher mascot, and if it is three gopher heads, if you see that, that will tell you that it's a pretty busy day on the fairgrounds. But if you only see one head, that means it's a less busy day here at the fair. So we're just trying to be as open and transparent as possible so that you can make the most informed decision about attending the fair if you do decide to attend the fair this year. Thank you to my guest, the Minnesota State Fair's Danielle Dullinger. And if you're planning on going to the fair this year, of course, stay safe. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives. Who are we? We're your neighbors, co-workers, and friends. That's right, we live and work in the community too. Because of that, we're committed to making sure our electric services stay reliable, affordable, and safe. Throughout the state, Minnesota electric co-ops work independent of each other, but with the same goal, provide power to Minnesota. You have so many other things to worry about. Your electricity isn't one of them. Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives, bringing power to the people of Minnesota. Change a light bulb, save some green. Just replace traditional light bulbs with energy-efficient bulbs and fixtures. If you're like most people, 20% of your home electric bills go directly to lighting. Every light we switch to one bearing the government's Energy Star label uses at least two-thirds less energy than older bulbs. Such a light will save more than $30 in energy costs over its lifetime. Brighten your environmental future from the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The political battle over climate change reignited at the Minnesota Capitol this week, even as hundreds in Minnesota's Arrowhead fought wildfires that many contend are the result of drought brought on by climate change. MNN's Bill Werner reports on the debate that's sounding from one end of Minnesota to the other. Over a thousand people converged on the state capitol this week, demanding Governor Tim Walz halt construction of Enbridge's Line 3 pipeline through northern Minnesota and calling on President Biden to step in if Walz does not act. We needed to take a walk, 256 miles, so we could be heard. And unfortunately, we were being met with 
law enforcement, and a caged up house that belongs to all of us. Nancy Bolio with MN350 from Bemidji talking about the fence recently reinstalled around the Capitol in preparation for this week's large protests. Governor Tim Walz said he welcomes Minnesotans to practice their First Amendment rights, but he says the state also has an obligation to protect public safety and public property. For the sake of the sacred, our future generations, Governor Walz, pull the permits and stop line three. Through this whole thing, I followed the science, followed the process, and followed the law. Winona LaDuke with Honor the Earth responded. If the process worked, there would be no pipeline. <laughs> I mean, if the process worked, they would have got a federal environmental impact statement and a state environmental impact statement that considered treaty rights, climate change, and the impact on Lake Superior. I don't make arbitrarily the decisions. The state of Minnesota has laws on permitting a pipeline. This was replacing an aging pipeline. The company followed those rules. It went through six years of review. It went through courts, appeals courts, and to the Supreme Court. When the governor told us during his campaign, no line three and that we'll honor treaty, we don't see this right now. And this is why we are here. Because we are still here! I've made the case and shown policies that we need to move away from fossil fuels, but in the meantime, if we're going to transport oil, we need to do it as safely as we possibly can with the most modern equipment, and my job was to make sure that that's what was happening on this. Governor Walz has betrayed the people of Minnesota and the Anishinaabe people, giving 5 billion gallons of water to Enbridge in the worst drought we have known for $150 is a betrayal to the waters of Minnesota. The rivers are dry. And the week began in northeastern Minnesota's Lake County with the already large Greenwood wildfire turning into an out-of-control inferno fueled by high temperatures, low humidity, and strong winds, incinerating many square miles of the Northwoods, including structures in its path. To be honest, I don't know what today brings, um, but our folks are doing everything they can uh, to, to protect homes and to make sure that people and, and their pets and their loved ones are out of the way in case this fire really gets some legs. Joanna Gilkison with Superior National Forest as residents of 50 more homes and cabins evacuated while flames pushed north and east toward McDougal Lake, threatening to jump State Highway 1. So it's kind of like a freight train. Once it starts rolling, it, it starts to build up steam and feed off itself and go, and it starts to pull in fire from some other places. Um, and it starts to push way up in the, in the sky and we start to get a plume-dominated fire. Incident Commander Brian Pasarek said that fire sent smoke so high it produced lightning. We fully realized this was, this was the toughest day we had. And, and, and uh, we did everything we could to keep this large spread. We didn't have enough forces to work this whole line today. At that point, they didn't know how far northeast the fire had pushed. The heavy layer of clouds, uh, visibility was almost zero in that area. We can't send aircraft over um, so this area was totally included by, by clouds and fire. Even as firefighters battled the stubborn Greenwood fire, four more wildfires broke out north of there in the BWCA wilderness. They're small fires, but you know, new fires nonetheless that our crews are responding to and crews from across the country that are here. Spokeswoman Joanna Gilkison said most fires on the Superior National Forest this year have been caused by lightning. Although she said illegal campfires have sparked a couple of them, and she said that factored into temporarily closing the BWCA wilderness. People are continuing to have illegal campfires, um, and we just can't take the risk right now.
I think folks don't necessarily realize how dry it is because we still have the trees are green, you know, maybe some of the grass is green um, or it appears to look green, but that is not always an indication of how dry that vegetation is. Down at Greenwood, cooler temperatures brought in by northerly winds gave firefighters a window to switch tactics. We got to get aggressive here, but safely so we can get get a line around this fire. That's her goal. Said Information Officer Larry Bickle as crews concentrated on controlled burning of defense lines on the fire's north and west edges. One of our main objectives other than public and firefighter safety is try to box this fire in and we're going to use Highway 1 as a north part of the fire. And crews also laid plans for the south side of the fire. We're coming off of County Road 2 on a high and dry terrain south of the fire and we found a pretty good location where we can start putting line in and maybe some dozer line in since it's high and dry and work our way around again. When crews were finally able to get close enough, videos around the north and middle lakes in the fire zone showed some properties with only foundations remaining. I empathize with everybody that loses these things with this fire. Uh, to take people out of their homes, it, it breaks my heart. And I do everything that I can in the team. Said Incident Commander Pasarek, one man whose cabin was spared told the Star Tribune, it's heartbreaking. I can't imagine having a cabin for generations and then having it just vanish. Scott? Just devastating. Thank you for that report, Bill. We'll have more Minnesota Matters after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. It looks like it was a strong summer tourism season across the state. Tasha Radel has more. Explore Minnesota is out with their latest survey results, and joining me today is Interim State Director Leanne Kisper. Leanne, can you share some of the highlights uh, from the survey? Sure. Um, we actually have just completed um, a survey of the tourism industry throughout Minnesota. Uh, asking them specifically how their business did over the summer season. Um, and according to the survey, nearly three-quarters of our respondents uh, reported that they have growing or stable financial health, which is a great indicator um, that things are definitely moving in the right direction and that there are you know, clearly bright spots in the industry. Summer tourism was very strong. Most of our respondents reported significantly higher revenue and uh, customer traffic compared to last summer. Um, but there is a story behind the numbers as well, and that story is mixed. Um, only about 34% of our businesses reported to be at um, pre-pandemic business levels. So um, there is some softness still um, out there, um, and there is definitely some fragility to the recovery story. Um, there are geographic areas that are doing better than others, and there are definitely different sectors of the travel industry that are rebounding faster. Let's elaborate more on what sectors are doing better and those that continue to struggle. Um, definitely anything to do with outdoor recreation is, is doing very well. So um, camping, fishing uh, licenses uh, continue to be strong. 
Um, resorts are doing very well. Uh, the Northeast region is doing fairly well. Um, Central Minnesota is doing very well. But then clearly anything to do with group travel or business travel um, is still struggling immensely. So many of the hotels, especially in the metropolitan area here in the Twin Cities, but also in areas like Rochester and Mankato are still struggling. And, um, you know, attractions are just starting to get back up on their feet after uh, capacity restrictions were lifted in the early summer. Um, many of the performance venues had to reschedule all their entertainment, and so they are just starting to rebound now as well. Um, so there are definitely bright spots, but there is still a lot of struggle out there. Leanne, I know the pandemic hit many Minnesota businesses hard, and some actually had to close their doors for good. I'm guessing while things are headed in the right direction, it will likely still take some time for them to fully recover. Yes, definitely. Um, like I said, about a third of the industry has said that they're there currently. Um, but only about another 40% are saying that, they'll, that they expect to be at those pre-pandemic levels by the end of next year. So we are still only, you know, three quarters of the way there, essentially. And I think it's fair to say throughout the pandemic, the tourism industry as a whole lost billions and billions of dollars. How are things looking and shaping up now? You're right. We did take a big hit. And actually, we just got some updated numbers the other day that um, since January of 2020, Minnesota has experienced $10 billion in revenue loss. So in um, essentially the last 20 months, um, we have just been decimated, essentially. Um, and that's, that's a, an industry that historically has been a $16.6 billion industry. So while those numbers aren't necessarily parallel, it just shows um, how impacted the industry has been um, during the pandemic. Uh, but we are just seeing consistent um, growth and rebound. Um, we are constantly uh, reaching out to our industry and surveying them at least quarterly. So we are uh, keeping keeping up with them and keeping track of of how the industry is moving. Um, it's totally totally ebbs and flows with uh, the pandemic. And when cases go up, um, all of a sudden, we start seeing some, you know, some fragility happening and some vulnerability happening. And um, as those cases go up, consumer confidence starts to go down. And, um, you know, we can just only hope that we're in a better spot now as it relates to vaccination status and the fact that the industry knows how to deal with the pandemic in terms of safety protocols and hygiene, and they're doing a great job at trying to mitigate the risk on their end and keep the experience as positive as possible for visitors. Thanks again to my guest, Leanne Kisper, Explore Minnesota's Interim State Tourism Director. 
Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Did you know that more lives are lost to lung cancer each year than breast, colorectal, and prostate cancers combined? Lung cancer will claim more than 135,000 lives this year. But new treatments have improved survival for many with the disease and offer new hope for many more. So does lung cancer screening with low-dose chest CT. The American Cancer Society and most major professional organizations recommend that adults ages 55 and older with a long history of smoking, even if they have quit, should talk with their doctor to learn more about lung cancer screening. Lung cancer screening saves lives by detecting lung cancer early when it's more successfully treated. So, ask your doctor if lung cancer screening is right for you. And if you smoke, ask your doctor to help you quit. Visit the National Lung Cancer Roundtable website at nlcrt.org. That's nlcrt.org. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The Golden Gopher football team opens the regular season this coming Thursday in Minneapolis by hosting fourth-ranked Ohio State in a highly anticipated college football game. MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm says the University of Minnesota Athletic Department has changed some of its ticketing procedures, including the concept of wanting fans to use mobile tickets. With Golden Gopher Senior Associate Athletic Director Mike Wears-Bickey, and we're going to uh, have an exciting uh, week, certainly upcoming, with Ohio State coming to town for Golden Gopher football. Other sports already underway on campus. And first of all, Mike, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, my pleasure, Mike. Appreciate the time. Looking forward to it. Well, there's some new things going on that I think uh, it, it would be important to get some, some news and info out uh, regarding people who want to come to gopher events this year uh, part of that involves now a new mobile ticketing app and paperless entry and i think if someone wanted to go old school they still could i think get a, a printout or a ticket but i think uh, this is kind of the trend right i think the vikings and twins and wolves and others have done this and the gophers are joining uh, up with that idea you're 100 right mike and uh, and our staff's here and available to assist but you can imagine right in, in 2021 and we're evolving i think obviously from a health and safety perspective going mobile provides us a, a better safe environment with with uh, access getting into the gates but i think also the biggest piece of this is uh enhanced efficiencies for our fans right and, and being able to access your your parking passes and your tickets right on your mobile device um those days of needing to run across town and drop off a ticket or morning of the game go swing over to your neighbor to give them your parking pass uh no you can do that right from your phone drop a text message over and uh, and they can access it and make it as easy as possible coming into the games and obviously for us um want to make sure people can make it right and we know people have commitments and challenges. So um, if you need to share those tickets with others or you want to post them to the secondary market to uh, to make a few dollars back for games you can't make it to, really what we're doing with our enhanced process is going to make it just much more efficient and easier and obviously evolve into 2021 with uh, attending games. Logistically, what will people need to do if they haven't already and they want to go to go for athletic events here this academic year? Yeah, great question. Mike. So the first and foremost is uh, we encourage everyone to, to grab their tickets in advance and uh, do that before you get up to the stadium gate. So you can do that online through your account, just gophersports.com slash my account or really what I recommend, the easiest thing, is download the Gophers official app. So both within Android or Apple, just go into your official app store and search Minnesota Golden Gophers. You'll see our app right there. It's an extremely efficient process just to log in, and then you've got everything right there on your app. Uh, Saves your login information. Anytime you pop it open, you can grab that barcode, transfer tickets, post them to secondary, whatever it might be. So I really recommend everyone to download the Minnesota Gophers app. It is the easiest place, obviously, uh, right there with all the other apps you have on your phone and, and make sure it's accessible. And that way, 
you can download your tickets. You can add them to your, your wallet if you want to uh, within your phone and do that before you come into the game. So that way, when you walk up to the gate, you're ready to go. And I always equate it back to same thing you do at TSA, TSA at the airport, right? And just making sure you have everything you need before you get there. And then we'll make that process getting the gates as fast as possible. From a standpoint, let's say I'm a season ticket holder and um, I have my ticket account. Is it just linked that all of a sudden the tickets drop into the account then once I sign into my uh, the app on the smartphone? Exactly. And once you have that account, like let's say you've got football season tickets, they're right there. But then you also go in and grab some volleyball tickets. You're coming out to a soccer game. Everything lives right in your account. You'll see them immediately within the app. So it's as easy as possible. And I think, you know, back to your point about the market, too. I mean, honestly, the, the, the technology's evolved drastically in five years, right? So even, you know, we've built great relationships with our friends at the Twins and the Wild, the Vikings, the T-Wolves, you name it. And obviously, we have really learned from them and, and learned on their experiences. And, you know, with where we at, are at today in 2021 versus where those teams were when they launched mobile ticketing, things have evolved so much, it's even more efficient. It's even easier. And obviously, it's it's easier to adopt just given how uh, consumer demographics have shifted. So you're 100% right. Once you get into that app, it is as easy as possible to have them there. And then any other parking passes or tickets you add will live right in that same exact spot. Wonderful. Great. And uh, as you mentioned, if somebody is having issues, they can get a hold of someone uh, within the Gopher Ticket Office and, and there are people there that can help, correct? 100% uh, can grab us via email Monday through Friday, go for sports at umn.edu or over the phone 1-800-U-GOPHER. And uh, that's what our staff has been doing. A lot of people have been able to jump in. We've got some great tutorials online, step-by-step instructions if you go to gophersports.com. But obviously we know understand that uh, some people also need a little bit of hand-holding through it. And our staff is more than happy to assist through that process. Obviously we're still dealing with uh, with COVID, the new variant, all of those things. Times have changed though from a year ago at this time with really no fans allowed to uh, things have opened up what is the current situation i know this could change right by the time we're taping this on thursday by the time the game hits next week uh, the, the the protocol i suppose could change but as we talk right now what will fans need to know about coming to the uh, stadium next week well mike you said the, the, the right word current right so current's always the word we say whenever we preface this and, and obviously that just goes back to we know how this thing has changed uh you know by the day by the hour and, and hopefully we're at a, a consistent spot to keep moving forward so uh, the biggest thing i would say is um, you know, our policies follow University of Minnesota uh, guidelines as well as Minnesota Department of Health state guidelines. And so um, what it boils down to is really indoor versus outdoor indoor venues um, required to wear a mask at all times unless you're actively eating or drinking. I think the important piece to think there is even at an outdoor venue. So let's say Huntington Bank Stadium. There are still indoor spaces, right? If you're going to the Golden Gopher team shop, if you're going to go into a restroom, if you're seating in an enclosed premium area, you know, those would all be indoor spaces. So what we're really telling people is we encourage you to bring a mask, you know, just in case you need to go into an elevator, you need to visit a first aid station. Those are areas that are enclosed and indoors that you will need to have a mask. We'll obviously have some on hand to to supply if people need one, but encourage people to bring a mask just in case if they need it, uh, even for our outdoor venues. And then obviously, if you're going to a a volleyball match over at Maturi Pavilion or you're going to be in an indoor venue, we'll make sure everyone has a mask on coming in. And then obviously, if you're sitting in your seat and and you're eating your hot dog or or drinking your Coke, um, great. You'll be able to take your mask off. But then obviously, we'll be expecting people to put them on within any indoor spaces. That's University of Minnesota Senior Associate Athletic Director Mike Weirs-Bickey and MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm. Again, for questions on the mobile ticketing procedures or COVID-19 protocols, you can go to gophersports.com or call 1-800-U-GOPHER. That is going to do it for us for this week. Thank you so much for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.